1: From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. K through 12th grade teachers reported more than 3,000 hate incidents in schools during the fall 2018 semester. A new survey from the Southern Poverty Law Center has found that such incidents are underreported by media and often go undisciplined in schools. The SPLC's Teaching Tolerance Director Maureen Costello is on the line from Montgomery, Alabama with more on the report. Hello, Maureen. Hi, Virginia more than 3,000 hate-related incidents in schools in the fall semester alone. How are those incidents defined?
0: We define a hate or a bias incident as anything, any action, verbal, written, or physical, that targets somebody on the basis of their identity, particularly their group identity. So it could be a, a swastika written on a wall. It could be the use of a racial slur, for instance.
1: And some examples of those in schools, can you go through a few of those for us? Oh, sure.
0: Well, swastikas are extremely common. They are often found on bathroom walls, but they often, they're often they also sometimes uh, inked on other students' arms, uh, presumably unwillingly. Uh, the use of the N-word, for instance, nooses, hung as a joke somewhere, um, directed at Im- students perceived to be immigrants, uh, the build-the-wall chant or being told that they're going to be deported or that their parents are going to be deported, Muslim students being called terrorists or asked to uh, translate, I will kill you, into Arabic. Uh, These are the kinds of things that we're
1: seeing. Now, where did you see most of them? Was it in particular grade levels or certain regions?
0: It's across the United States. We saw them in all 50 states. Certainly, they get worse as you get into middle and high school, but it's not unusual to even see it in elementary school.
1: So this is not just necessarily kids being kids or bullying others, but teachers are often targeted as well.
0: Sadly, that's true. Well, teachers are targeted, and sometimes teachers are the uh, perpetrators as well. Um, There are a couple of stories from Georgia where teachers are the ones who... uh, basically suggested that uh, students would get into trouble because they're black, uh, that uh, sometimes you, know, teachers are the problems as well. But particularly immigrant teachers, we've been told, and Muslim teachers have been bullied, have been harassed uh, with the anti-immigrant language.
1: So these numbers do come from a survey of teachers. This Mm -hmm. is an unscientific report. So what is the process that you go through for verifying these kind of complaints?
0: Well, first of all, we actually every month on a daily basis, we scour news reports for hate and bias incidents. And by the end of the year, we had counted 821 that were reported in the news alone. We're very familiar with what goes on in schools, and our suspicion was that we were really seeing the tip of the iceberg. So we decided to do a survey, just really to kind of test that hypothesis: Are there more stories out there than are being reported in the news? And so the survey, as you point out, was a very uh, informal survey. I sometimes just call it a questionnaire, and we sent it in December, which, by the way, is not the best time to ask teachers uh, because the holidays are approaching and and they're usually trying to wrap things up, but we did uh, get a lot of responses back. We did not necessarily verify them because people were assured of anonymity and we did ask them to describe the incidents. The incidents that they described have a really depressing familiarity. Many of them are very, very similar. Um, So, really, we're looking at many more than 3,000. We're looking at closer to 4,000 when you consider that we're also including the ones that were reported in the news.
1: Well, right. So, the gap there between 821 that you found in the news and more than 3,000, how do you explain that difference?
0: Well, the fact is that most of them don't get reported in the news, and that's part of a long cycle that, first of all, does, do school leaders even do anything about them at all? Uh, the gamut of responses that teachers told us was that administrators either do nothing or they, they take a whole set of responses to address school climate. But schools like to take care of you know, things within schools. They don't necessarily, their first thought of a school principal is not to call the media.
1: Mm-hmm. and
0: they, they try to take care of things. but so they're also, of course, respectful of student privacy. So there's a lot of complicating factors. The point we wanted to make, though, is that you know, parents and members of school communities need to know what kids in schools are being exposed to.
1: Right. Well, but when you say that this is not getting media coverage, what kinds of infractions were usually reported outside of schools in the past?
0: What generally gets reported are often things that go out on social media. So once something is kind of out in the community, <clears throat> excuse me, it gets covered. Uh, the other thing is something that is particularly egregious, like a noose, for instance, will often get covered. Right now, there's a series of promposals that have been covered. I think we saw three of them this month. They're all exactly the same, by the way, and I'm going to repeat them, and I apologize in advance.
1: Can, can you also explain what a promposal is? <laughs>
0: Excuse me, a prom proposal is a proposal to go to prom. And sometimes it's done on social media or it's done in a public way, much as engagements are now happening in public ways. So one that uh, we've seen three stories of is a white male holding up a sign that says, if I were black, I'd be picking cotton, but I'm white. So I'm picking you for prom. Mm. Wow. And, you know, so it's that kind of story. That gets out there. It's out on social media. It's out in the world. It's usually racist or it's anti-Semitic. Those are the ones that are most likely to be covered.
1: Well, what kinds of things are you? You know, how are they dealing with kids? I mean, that has to be a pretty painful, isolating thing to experience for a kid.
0: I would think so too. And it's it's not just a kid. It's the entire community. I mean, that's the what we often don't grasp that these really have ripple effects and not just ripple effects of everybody who feels like I could have been the target of that, but all the other kids who are standing by and not feeling good about it at all and wishing that they could have done something. In other words, the would-be bystanders. Um, What can you do about it? Well, the important thing really, it's not necessarily punishment. I mean, discipline is often important, but these are teachable moments, first of all, for the individuals who are doing them because a lot of the time, There's ignorance involved. But the other is to have a kind of holistic approach towards the school climate and realize we need a healthy school climate. There should be a place where people are happy to come. They're happy to come to learn. Students are happy to come to learn. And teachers and staff and cafeteria workers, everyone else is happy to come and work here. And so it's really necessary to have some very intentional dialogue about what it means to live and work in a place where everyone is respected.
1: I'm speaking with Maureen Costello, Director of Teaching Tolerance. That's a program of the Southern Poverty Law Center, and we're discussing its new report based on a survey from teachers on hate crimes in schools. You know, we didn't really talk very much about how educators and school leaders have responded to these kind of incidents. What kind of disciplinary actions are taken and and is that is, is there any correlation between the disciplinary action and the kind of incidents or who's targeted?
0: Well, there is a corollary, first of all. We find that there are certain incidents that are much more likely to result in some action, uh, and those generally tend to be um, racist incidents. Uh, And then there are some that are very unlikely, and those tend to be the anti-immigrant or anti-LGBTQ. I can't say specifically why that is. We didn't really test, but my suspicion is that Sometimes the anti-immigrant or the uh, anti-gay harassment reflects some kinds of values of the community. Mm. Um, So that's part of it. The the second thing is what should be done. Discipline certainly is not inappropriate, but it, it should never be the only answer. It's really important for school leaders to look at one incident and say, wait a minute, is this only one incident or is there more here? What kind of a culture do we have at that school, at school? which means communicating with parents, communicating with students, communicating with community, having an open door and listening. And really asking students, are you comfortable here? Is this a place where you feel safe to be you? So there's really a lot of steps that uh, school leaders can take, including having uh, clubs and after-school activities that include safe spaces for students of who may not represent the dominant group. Uh, for instance, GSAs, uh, which are gender and sexuality uh, alliances, um, there's a lot of ways to do this. But the important thing is to see it as a whole school issue, not simply a discipline issue.
1: Well, and beyond the school, the culture. that Three years ago, the SPLC documented a significant increase in incidents involving racism and bigotry, which the SPLC called the Trump effect. So Mm -hmm. what kind of evidence connects hate incidents in schools to the president and his administration?
0: Sadly, a lot of it is the language that's used, and particularly we see that uh, in the anti-immigrant language. Uh, the president's own words are used to target uh, children who are perceived to be immigrants. And by the way, they they often are not, uh, but it hardly matters. The president's words are used so that at the time of the caravan, for instance, teachers reported that there was an increase in in anti-immigrant targeting. But the other part is that the president's name itself is used.
1: So um, they invoke his name? Yes. Is this something that was tracked before the 2018 election? Uh,
0: Well, we checked in 2016. um, But no, this is, you know, I've been in education for 40 years, and uh, I cannot remember, and I taught for 20 of those years, and I cannot remember a political figure influencing um, this kind of negative behavior before. School climate also has not really been well documented prior to this on a national level. Right now, more people are doing it. Uh, the Southern Providence Law Center is looking at it. A uh, UCLA has issued two reports uh, documenting how classroom discussions have been eroded because of uh, just political polarization. And there has been a number of other reports as well.
1: Well, so you're. Uh, I do want to note here that the SPLC is currently under review after allegations of a toxic workplace environment that discriminates against women and people of color there. Last month resulted in the firing of the co founder and resignations, longtime president, legal director, both gone. So you know, you know, how organizations and how cultures can develop and how you can deal with and do things differently. But you are trying to teach other people, including in schools how to teach tolerance, how is your organization dealing with its own culture of discrimination?
0: Well, we are facing it head on, and that is that is something that every organization needs to do, which is say, wait a minute, let's listen to our employees, our staff, in the case of school, our students. And we are taking steps to uh, see what, what went wrong and what we can do better.
1: So how do you advise teachers and educators to do that kind of work now?
0: In exactly the same way. We think that school leaders need to have, for instance, office hours, open door policies, so that students can come in and talk about what is going on in school. We think that there need to be school climate surveys that go out not just to students, but also to parents and to teachers, and that those results should be looked at uh, for the gaps. In other words, Do teachers perceive school climate one way, but students perceive it another way? Or does one group of students perceive it differently than others? Um, There should be directions to the school leadership, meaning teachers and staff, about ways to make sure the schools are welcoming, which is sometimes as simple as standing at a door and greeting every student by name as they come in to your class. Um, Affinity groups especially in a school where perhaps you have a large number of minority groups, let's say, uh, whether they're racial groups or religious groups or whatever, these students should have an opportunity to be able to meet with each other.
1: Maureen, so I'm going to have to leave it right there, but I thank yeah. you for your time. Teaching Tolerance Director Maureen Costello, thanks for very much. Thanks, Virginia. So stay with us for A Portrait of Ernie Meichler, author of The White Trash Cookbook, When On Second Thought Continues.